0: All right. Um, we're gonna. Last week we looked at the the shortest chapter in the Bible, which is Psalm 117. It was two verses long. Today we're gonna look at the longest chapter in the Bible, and it's 176 verses long, and it's divided up into 22 stanzas of eight verses each. And uh, I'm not gonna read through the whole thing this morning. We're only gonna look at one stanza. We're gonna look at verses nine to 16 of Psalm 119. But but it's just a sample of the entire thing. It's, it's the, kind of the same message over and over again. Psalm 119 is all about the words of God. It's all about the words of God. Every single verse in Psalm 119, all 176 verses are about the words of God. And, and if, if the Bible you know, devotes such prime real estate, I mean, it's a lot of many verses you know devoted to the, the importance of God's word. It begs the question, how much real estate in our hearts and our lives do we give to the words of God so listen to God's word I'm going to read again Psalm 119 verses 9 to 16 how can a young man keep his way pure by guarding it according to your word with my whole heart I seek you let me not wander from your commandments I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you Father, we pray that you would help us to grasp the heights of your plans for us in your word. We pray that you would help us to be grateful for the fact that you are a God who is not silent, but you are a God who communicates, who speaks. And we pray that you would help us to listen now, that we would listen to you. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. How many of you are familiar with the children's book, Chicka Chicka Boom Boom? Does any, can you raise your hand if you've heard, read that book? A lot of us have, right? Um, It's, it's, you know, it's an interesting book. You would never guess from the title, if you haven't read it and I asked you, what do you think it's about? You would never know that Chicka Chicka Boom Boom is about the alphabet. It's about the ABCs, it, it's, uh, and, and I, I, it's, it's hard to understand how it actually took two authors to write this book together. I'm, I'm kind of curious to know why it took two guys to write this book, but no offense to these guys. I mean, it's, it's a decent book, but uh, I can just envision, you know, the pitch meeting at the book company when they're like, okay, we got this idea for a book, and, and it's going to be about these little letters who climb a coconut tree, Okay. Are you with me? The little letters climb a coconut tree, but the coconut tree isn't quite substantial enough to hold them all, so eventually they all fall out of the coconut tree and injure themselves. And then the, the big letters, the, the capital letters, come along, the parents come along and, and take care of the little letters and bandage them up, but those little letters, they just don't learn their lesson, and they, they go back up that coconut tree at the end of the book, you know? And, and, uh, and all throughout, there's this refrain over and over again, chicka-chicka-boom-boom. Boom. Will there be enough room? I mean, you wonder, like, where did these guys come up with this idea? But I got to say, it's actually a good read. I mean, I, I've read it many, many times, probably more, more times than any other children's book to, to all, all of the different kids that have been in our house. And it's, and it's not a bad read. I mean, we, uh, we spend a lot of effort in teaching our children the importance of letters and words and language, right? Um, everybody who speaks English knows the ABC song, Right? Does anybody not know the ABC song? Um, There's all sorts of books written about the ABCs to teach our kids the sounds that the letters make and everything, right? And and that's one of the primary goals of like early uh, elementary schools. We're teaching kids how to read. We're teaching kids the letters and what sounds they make and how important it is But the the interesting thing is, you know, I don't think in all of my, like, as our kids have grown up, as they've gone to school and everything, none of these books, none of these teachers really talk about why the ABCs are so important. Why is it important to learn letters and words and language? Why are words important? Nobody ever talks about that. And so we just assume because we're also self-centered, we assume that the importance of words is so that we can communicate ourselves. We can tell everybody else our needs and our feelings and we can express ourselves, you know? That's, that's the main reason that we have letters and words. Um, we, can, we can share our truth with the world, right? That's why we have words and language. Um, and you know, it's not, not that those things are bad things that we want to share our perspective and, and we want to express ourselves and we want to communicate what we need and what we want and what we long for. Um, but I would argue that there's a more important reason for the existence of letters and words and language. And Psalm 119 gets to that reason for words. Um, I, I would argue that more than expressing ourselves, the reason for letters and words and language is so that we can understand what God wants to say to us, what God wants to communicate to us. And, and you see that in Psalm 119 um, without realizing it. All, as I said before, Psalm, the entire Psalm, all 176 verses are all about the words of God. I mean, it, it uses all sorts of different words to talk about the words of God. It uses commandments, rules, testimony, statutes, precepts. You heard that, right? Um, and so some, some people might say it's, what, he, what he's talking about here is just maybe the Ten Commandments, but it's more than that. It's, 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 it's about all of God's revelation of how he's communicated to us, all, all, that, all that we find in here. That's what Psalm 119, I believe, is talking about. And the interesting thing is Psalm 119 is structured in a very interesting way. Um, I, sa- I said before, it's, it's 176 verses divided up into 22 stanzas, right? Eight verses each. Um, We've looked at some other psalms that were acrostic poems, you remember that, where that means that basically every verse starts with a a different letter of the Hebrew alphabet. Um, Psalm 119 takes that up to another level completely, because what it does is it, it takes every stanza, all 22 stanzas start with a different letter of the Hebrew alphabet. And what I mean by that is that not just that the first letter of the whole stanza starts with the letter of the Hebrew alphabet, but the entire, every single line starts with that letter. So. Uh, the very first eight verses all start with the, word, with the letter Aleph, the first letter of the Hebrew alphabet. The second stanza that we looked at today, every single line starts with Beit, the second letter of the Hebrew alphabet, and then Gimel, and then as it goes on, on and on. And, and it's, it's kind of like, it's, it's a really constricting way to try to write, you know, to have to do that. There's even a letter in the Hebrew alphabet that actually doesn't begin any words. The letter Vav. And, and it's kind of a connecting letter that, that can, can mean and or but. And so even there's a stanza that starts with vobs, all vobs, which is they just like and this, and that, and this, and that. It doesn't really come through in the English translations. But I think one reason for this, there's, there's a reason for the structure. And one reason for this is, is that I think the, the psalmist, I think God wants us to see that there's a direct connection between letters and words, the words that they make up, and the words of God, because that's what this whole psalm is all about, right? This whole psalm is about the importance of God's words. That is the reason that God gave us language, gave us words, gave us letters to make up those words, is so that we can understand what he wants to say and this stanza, as I said, it's, it's one sample of the whole, whole of Psalm 119, but in these, verse, the first, in these eight verses, one thing I think that we see is the purpose for God's words. We see the purpose for God's words, and I see two specific and vital purposes that he shares with us here. The first purpose of God's words is that they enable us to live life the way that, we, that it was meant to be lived. God's words enable us to live life the way that it was meant to be lived, This is what verses 9 and 11, I think, are getting at. Verse 9 says, How can a young man keep his way pure? How can a a person keep their life pure, keep their life unstained, keep their life in the condition of what it's meant to look like? How can they keep it pure? By guarding it according to your word. Your words are what help us to keep life the way that it's meant to be lived, right? Verse 11, I've stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. God is the one who's created every single one of us and knows how we are meant to live. And so as we store up God's word in our heart, as we live our life according to God's words, we're living our life according to how God says it was meant to be lived. When we don't sin, it means that we're actually living life the way we were meant to live it. Essentially, what I'm, what I'm saying is, is and, and you've probably heard other people maybe say this, is that, that things work better when we operate them according to the instructions. And, and God's words are kind of the instructions for how life is meant to be lived. I've been known in my house to sometimes throw the instructions away to things, especially kids' toys, um, especially toys that are like small and simple. And I'm, I'm always... Vigilantly looking for trash to throw out, you know, when kids are like opening up things and they leave the wrapper left I'm like that's got to go out, you know, or else it's just gonna build up. It's gonna be chaos everywhere So I'm vigilantly throwing stuff out and so when it's something like even like a McDonald's toy, you know, that they get from a Happy Meal There's like, you know, this little this little bag that it's in and they tear it open And there's like a little tiny little piece of paper that has some instructions I mean, how difficult can those little McDonald's toys be to operate, right? So of, of course I grab that and I throw it in the trash immediately and then a few minutes later the kids are like, how does this work? And, and Kim's like trying to help them and they're, they're crying because they can't figure it out and she's like, did you throw the instructions away? And I'm like, maybe. <laughs> and so it's, you know, it's, it's this challenge of trying to figure out how this thing works without the instructions and, and essentially this is what I'm saying. I think this is what God's word is saying, that we will live life most fulfilled. And, 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 and life will work best when we live it according to God's words, which, were, which are the instructions for how life is meant to be lived. Life works best when we live it according to God's directions. And, and as, as I just said, we will live with the greatest amount of joy when we live it according to God's commands, when we obey what he says rather than what we want. We have trouble with this, though, we have trouble with this because I, I've convinced myself that my life will work better when I live it according to how I want to, you know, than how God wants me to. I mean, a very simple, very general example is, you know, God, we know that God's word says over and over again that we need to sacrifice our needs and wants and desires in order to serve those around us. I mean, that's a simple, simple command, you know. Love um, Love others as you love yourself, I need, to, I need to think of others as much as I think of myself. And, and, and yet, there are times in my life when I will, you know, it'll be a really long day and I'll sit down and I'll just, I'll, there'll be a moment when I have an opportunity to just do something for me. You know, maybe I'll just sit on the couch and want to watch something that I've been meaning to watch. And then you know, the neighbor knocks on the door or you'll get a text and they need you to help them with something. And I'll be like, ah. Oh. Yeah, I know. I I know know what the right thing to do is. And I'm a good boy and I go and do the right thing. But the entire time I'm thinking about what I'm missing out on. I'm like, really, my, my greatest joy would have been sitting on the couch rather than going and helping this person. But the reality is, is that what God's Word says is that if we are living the way that He made us to, And we're actually living for other people and sacrificing what we want to serve them, that's actually where our greatest joy is. And I need to remember that. And when somebody knocks on my door and interrupts what I'm doing to ask for help, my greatest joy will be found in going immediately to help them. I'm not missing out on anything. And so I think that's, that's a little bit of, of what uh, verse 14 gets at. In the way of your testimonies, I delight as, in, as much as in all riches. That's where we will find our greatest joy. When we're, seeking to do, when we're seeking to obey God, that's where we will find our greatest joy. The second purpose, in addition to the fact that God's words enable us to live life the way it's meant to be lived, is that uh, it, God's words enable us to know him. They enable us to know Him. This is the ultimate reason for God's words. They, they, they enable us to know God Himself. Verse 10 says, With my whole heart, I seek you. Let me not wander from your commandments. God's commandments enable us to find Him as we seek Him. That's where we understand who God is. It's through His commandments. It's through His words that He's written to us. That's how we know Him. Verse 15 says, I will meditate on your precepts and fix my eyes on your ways. God's precepts and instruction help us to know his ways. To know God's ways is to know God himself. That is the purpose of God's words. It's so that we can know him. That is the whole point of life is to know him. We cannot understand ourselves. We cannot understand life unless we know the one from whom we came. You understand that, right? There's a, there's a and fantastic show that I used to watch from uh, my, I think it's probably like 15 years ago it was on, called The Locator. I probably made reference to this before. I don't know if any of you guys have heard of that show, but it's, it, was, it was only on for a couple seasons on some cable uh, channel. And uh, it's about this, this guy who would, um, he would track down people for other people. Like if somebody grew up never knowing their mother, because they were given away for adoption, and they, they just couldn't find her. They'd looked for, her, looked for her their whole life. He would, he would help them find their mother, whom they'd never met. Or, or maybe their, their, their mother never told their father that they were born, and their father never knew that they had a child, and this kid grew up never knowing their father. And so he, he comes to the locator and asks them, can you help me find my dad? And the tagline of the show is this, you, you can't have peace until you have all the pieces. You can't have peace until you have all the pieces. In other words, you can't have peace in life until you have all of the details, all the pieces of of how you became who you are, you know, of where you came from. And I think that's absolutely true of every single one of us when it comes to to our relationship with God. None of us can have peace until we have all the pieces of, of the one who created us. The one who dreamed us up, the one who loves us, even though we often don't even pay, pay any attention to him. We can't have peace until we have all the pieces of knowing who he is. And that is why he's given us his words so that we can know him, so that we can know him. And so if this is true, if, if God's words have been given to us so that we can know how life works, and more importantly, so that we can know God himself, the one that that loves us, the one that created us, the one for whom we've been created, then it makes absolute sense for us to to make sure that God's words are a priority in our lives. It it makes absolute sense that, that, that we do everything we can to make sure that God's words are a priority for us. Psalm 119 tells us how to do that, how to make God's words a priority. It begins with simply spending time and effort to learn what it says in God's word. Verse 12 says, teach me your statutes, right? Verse 13 talks about reciting God's rules with my mouth. This is one way that we learn, right? We speak out loud, we recite things out loud. You know, a big part of what Psalm 19 is telling us to do is to just kind of like work this into your brain. Like the, you, need, you need to do as much as you can so that you, you, you know what it says here and you don't forget it. Verse 16 says, I will not forget your word. A big part of, of learning things and, and making sure we understand them and know, and know them is, is seeking to do, do everything we can so that we remember what they say, you know? Um, we do all sorts of things to, to make sure we remember things. When you're young, you don't have to, like, write notes to yourself. You just, if something's important to you, you just remember it. Nowadays, I have to constantly write notes for myself. I'm constantly using my phone to put, you know, reminders on my phone. How many of you guys have millions of reminders on your phone to, rem- to remind you to do stuff, right? I have to do that or I will forget. We have calendars that we write all sorts of things on so that we make sure we remember what we need to do, wh- so that we make sure we remember what's supposedly important to us. Um... How much effort are we putting into to make sure we don't forget what it says here? Because it's here that we know God, and it's here that we know how life works best. But we need to go beyond just learning and not forgetting. There, there's a heart aspect here that is important. The heart is referenced a couple times here in this psalm. Right? In verse 11, it says, I've stored your word in my heart. The, the heart, as the Bible talks about, the heart is the core of a person's life. It's the part of you that you know, nobody else sees, but it, it basically directs everything else in your life. It, it, it controls the decisions you make. It controls how you respond to life. It controls how you feel about everything and what you do. That's, that's what your heart is. It's kind of the control center of your entire being. It's, it's what's way down deep inside of you. And, and, uh, and Psalm 119 is saying we need to get, we need to not just have God's words up here, but we need to somehow get it down to here. Into the core of who we are, and how does that happen? How does that happen? And one of the things that it points out here um, in verse 15, it talks about how we need to meditate on His precepts and fix my. It says, "I will meditate on Your precepts and fix my eyes on Your ways." We need to make sure that meditating on God's words is a, is an important part of our lives. And and that might sound like a little like you know that's very spiritual. You know, that's like on another level. That's like it sounds too complicated for me to to, to learn to meditate. God's words and his commands but actually meditating isn't, isn't some that, that really complicated of a thing um, Tim Keller talks about you know, people saying oh I don't know I, I just meditation that sounds too difficult and he's like well you know um, have you ever been like really mad at somebody because they did something to offend you or they did something to really annoy you and you couldn't stop thinking about it and you just continue to like every day you return to it like, you know, every hour you're like oh, I can't believe what that person did Well, you know how to meditate. You know how to meditate, you know? Have you ever ever felt like kind of a, a pain in your side and you went on, you know, the internet and checked out what it might be and then you couldn't stop thinking about it, you know, and worrying about it? You know how to meditate. You know how to meditate. Meditating is just kind of fixing something in your mind and returning to it over and over and over again And so we not only need to learn what it says here but we need to we need to continually think about what it says and look at it from different angles and think about how does this apply in my daily life we need to just continue to think about it returning to it over and over again we need to get to the point where god's words become like the furniture of our minds Uh, you might have heard me mention that before my grandfather used to talk about this when he was a a a teacher of um, worship in uh in seminary and uh and he used to teach pastors about what worship was all about, and, and he would talk about hymns a lot, and, uh, and he would talk about how often, like the songs that we sing in church, and, and back when, when he taught, it was mostly hymns, and, and he would say, often we, we sing all these hymns in church, we know these hymns by heart, but, but we just kind of sing them on autopilot, we don't really even think about what they mean, you know? And we often just say all the words, like the, the songs that we sing this morning. We, we sing the words, we read them, but we don't really think about what they mean. And, and he's like, you know, we need to get to the point where we're actually um, singing these things and, and meaning them to the point, like we're thinking about them enough that the truths in these words, in these hymns, actually become like the furniture of our mind. They, they, they kind of become stationary things in our mind that we operate around in life, that we take for granted in life, the truths of these things, and I think that's absolutely true of God's words. You know, when you when you put your furniture in your living room, and it's in there in a certain way for a long time, you know where everything is. You don't have to constantly be like, oh, where, where's the couch again? I got to make sure I step around it. You know where it is, and you operate life, like, taking it for granted, knowing exactly where it is, and that's why, that's, I think, we need, where we need to come to with the words of God, where we're meditating on them enough, we're thinking about them enough that they become uh, you know, they, they get driven down into our heart that they become part of the furniture of our whole perspective on life. That as we respond to something tragic, we respond to it in light of just the furniture of God's truth that's already there, you know. Um, as we get hit with, uh, with you know, the, thing, the, the culture telling us we need to believe this, we just like, you know, we already have this furniture in place. And I guess this is how. Uh, we need to respond to these things, you know. Um, so we need to make God's words a priority by learning them, by meditating on them, by returning to them over and over again. But this is hard to do. It's hard to do. I mean, I can just tell us, you know, God's words is important. We need to think about it more. We need to meditate on it more. We need to memorize it. We need to do this stuff. It's. But the problem is our willpower isn't going to get it done. I realize that we're all going to walk out of here, sadly. And God's word isn't going to be as much of a priority as it should be. As important as it is. So how do we get to the point where we are like, I have to do this. I can't not do this. And I think, the way that we get there is to realize um, and to notice the person who is in God's words. The person who is in God's words. Um, the best thing I think I can do for all of us is to remind us that God's words point to a person. They point to a person. They, they, they point to the person of Jesus. Um, after Jesus rose from the dead, and you've read the book of Luke there's this moment when he walks with these two disciples for a long time and they don't recognize who he is. And it talks about how for this long time as he walked with them, he explained to them how all of basically the Old Testament pointed to him. All of God's words were describing what he would do and and help people to understand him and trust in him. And, And so Jesus himself was saying, you know, Psalm 119 points to me, along with all of the rest of the Old Testament. And then in John 1, if you're familiar with John 1, how does John describe Jesus in the beginning of John? He describes Jesus as the word of God. You know, we have all of these words from God, from the prophets in in the Old Testament, but Jesus is the ultimate word from God, the one who fulfills them all, the one who is the ultimate um, revealer of who God is and what he wants for us. That is who Jesus is, he is the word of God. You know, we started talking about, you know, the alphabet and the importance of the ABCs and the importance of Aleph, Beit, Gimel, you know, in Hebrew. Um, it's interesting, in the book of Revelation, you know how Jesus refers to himself three times? He refers to himself as the Alpha and the Omega. And if you're not familiar with Greek, that's the first and last letters of the Greek alphabet. That is who Jesus is. He is the one who. Who is, when he says he's the Alpha and the Omega, he, yes, he, he, is the, he is the beginning and the end. He is the one for whom all of creation exists. He is the one who undergirds everything. He is the one who, through whom everything was created. He is the Alpha and the Omega. And he is the one that all letters are meant to point to. He is the ultimate one who gives us life. It is only through Jesus that we can understand how life is meant to be lived and it is only through Jesus, through his life and his death that pays for our sin and his resurrection that we are enabled to come into a relationship with God and know him. It's only through Jesus. And when we realize that, that Jesus is at the center of all of God's words and it's only through Jesus that we can have life, real life, as it was meant to be lived. When we really realize that, That's what brings us to the point that the disciples were at in the book of John. There's a point when when all the other, like tons of disciples were leaving Jesus because he was teaching, he was saying some crazy things from a lot of people's perspectives. And then Jesus asks his disciples, he's like, you're not gonna go too, are you? And they're like, where else are we gonna go? You're the only one who has the words of life. You're the only one who has the words of life. I've got nowhere else to go. I think that's what we need to come to the point of realizing. Jesus is the only one with the r- words of life. Where do we find him? We find him in here. There's uh, there's one other commentator that I was reading this past week. His, uh, his name's Patrick Reardon, and, and uh, he wrote about this psalm, and, and he said you can these, all the psalms, are, are, we've talked about how they're songs of worship, they're also, they, they can be used as prayers, you know, they're, they're words that we can speak to God, and you see, he's talked about how Psalm 119 can be used as a prayer in three different ways. One way is from our perspective, just saying, um, you know, how can a young man keep his way pure by guarding it according to your word? With my whole heart, I seek you, Lord. You know, I can pray this and say, I'm gonna seek you and I'm gonna try to, to find you in your word. The second way is to, understand this as a prayer that Jesus prays, except that he prays it perfectly, you know? Where I don't perfectly store up God's word in my heart, Jesus did. Jesus can say with full conviction and sincerity, I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you, right? But then there's a third way that we can pray this. When we understand that Jesus is at the center of all God's words, that all of God's words bring us to, the, to Jesus himself, that Jesus is the word of God. We can pray this as a prayer, but substituting Jesus for all of the words of God. Where we say, how can a person keep their way pure? By Jesus guarding our lives. With my whole heart I seek you, let me not wander from Jesus. I've stored up Jesus in my heart, that I might not sin against you. Blessed are you, O Lord, teach me more of Jesus. With my lips I declare Jesus and more of Jesus. In the way of Jesus, I delight as much as in all riches. I will meditate on Jesus and fix my eyes on him and his ways. I will delight in Christ. I will not forget him. That is where, if, if, we want, if we want to know God and live, if we want to live, if we want to have joy, if we want to be fulfilled, if we want to have pieces, if we want to have peace because we have all the pieces, it's, it's found here in the work of Jesus and all that he is and all that he's done. Let's pray together. Father, we, we pray that you would help us to see the treasure that is in your words. (laughs) Father, we pray that you would help us because we are so blind. We are so self-centered and caught up in our own lives and our own perspective and our own opinions and our own truths. Father, we pray that your spirit would bring us back to the truth, to Jesus and to all your words that speak truth that we might live and that we might be full of joy. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We now have an opportunity to see the word of God illustrated for us at the Lord's table. And as we prepare our hearts, we're going to confess our sin, our need for Jesus' death and sacrifice for us, our need for forgiveness. And we'll use the confession of sin that's printed in.